Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So uh, what, what shall I show you here? Okay, so this is where we produce our breakfast cereal, uh, our snacks. So let me take you from the beginning how it actually works, yeah? Entrepreneur Jonas Alamu is giving our journalist Suad a tour of his innovative TEF processing factory in Saluta, a small town 20 kilometers north of Addis Ababa, the Ethiopian capital. We get to lose a lot of product because, you know, you keep on trialing like a hundred times before you say, yep, this is now perfect. So all this is, you know, going into the bin. With his breakfast cereals and protein shakes, Jonas is astonishing the taste buds of Ethiopians who primarily use teff, their staple, to prepare injera, a traditional fermented flatbread. His goal is to help Ethiopians reinvent their ancestral grain and enable the country to benefit from its star ingredient. This one is cocoa flavor rolls, uh, vanilla flavor uh, flakes. The factory, which is 100% Ethiopian owned and managed, complies with international standards for gluten free products. Lovegrass began trading in 2021, and Jonas believes that TEF is the key to helping Ethiopians thrive and tell their story to the whole world. The name Lovegrass came from the other name for TEF, uh, which is William Lovegrass. So lovegrass Ethiopia really means TEF uh, is Ethiopian. Hello and welcome to The Star Ingredient, a journey across sub-Saharan Africa and Europe in search of solutions to revitalize forgotten local ingredients and reimagine our global food system, all while sharing delectable recipes. I'm your host, Takumbo Salako, this time we find ourselves in Ethiopia, a landlocked country in the Horn of Africa renowned for its coffee and its distinctive spicy cuisine. Here we'll be meeting Jonas Alemu, an Ethiopian entrepreneur on a mission to restore TEF to its Ethiopian roots and delve into the concept of biopiracy, a phenomenon where wealthier nations acquire and exploit biological resources from other countries. As we wrap up the episode, we'll also discover a recipe for chichepsa, a classic Ethiopian breakfast often paired with a side of yogurt. Way back when I was a child, I grew up in a farming household in Ethiopia, farming teff actually. Uh, so I'm very, very familiar with teff and its journey and how it grows and then the pains of uh, <laughs> harvesting it traditionally. In the late 1980s, Jonas, an exceptional student, received a scholarship to study in Bulgaria and later in the UK, where he eventually began working in the finance industry. Like most immigrants, he searched everywhere for familiar foods to help him feel more connected to his homeland. Initially, Ethiopian ingredients were quite challenging to come by, but then... 
In 2015, TAFE was becoming more popular in the UK supermarkets and the superstores and health food stores. Being both gluten-free and highly nutritious, this Ethiopian grain is an excellent substitute for wheat. But when I actually started investigating, not a single kilogram of TAFE was coming from Ethiopia. It actually grew in, in America, in South Africa, Spain, virtually Australia, all around the world TAFE is growing and Ethiopia was left behind. Jonas felt outraged. The fact that we are being left behind and as a nation Ethiopia, an individual, farmers, the community, not benefiting at all from this is, is something we should not accept. And that personally I cannot accept. Jonas understood the challenges faced by Ethiopian farmers and his time in Europe had equipped him with business skills. So he came up with a plan. After years of living abroad, Jonas came back home with a mission to assist the country in reclaiming teff, a grain that Ethiopians have cultivated for more than 3,000 years. Ironically, this endeavor meant supporting farmers in breaking with tradition. With more than 80 ethnic groups, each with distinct cultures and languages, Ethiopia is a melting pot of age-old traditions. Today, Christianity and Islam are the predominant religions. It's known for its highlands and lowlands, which boast rugged beauty and unique biodiversity. Our reporter Suad arrives at the traditional teff farm in the Gelan province near Addis Ababa. Oromo is the predominant spoken language in this area. It's the rainy season, the coldest time of the year, and the roads are muddy. Farm owner Yasinu and his wife Kiria emerge to welcome her. The patch of land surrounding his house is only about two hectares, but Yasinu has more farmlands in the countryside, which he manages with several employees. The rainy season, during which we have to plough our land, is the busiest time for us. We have to sow seeds of different grains, including teff. Just as it was thousands of years ago, farming here is done with a pair of oxen. Yasinu is urging his animals on while they wear a kemba, a wooden plough attached to their necks as they gradually make their way through the soft, muddy ground. Production requires so much energy, experience and resources. For example, if you make a mistake in farming taff, you can't go back and correct it. You should always be careful when sowing taff. I personally don't let my workers sow taff because it requires extra care compared to other grains. Often referred to as the smallest grain in the world, teff is a cash crop for local farmers. There's also high demand for teff in the Ethiopian market. For example, now, if you produce the same amount of wheat, you won't have the same profit as teff. It's also better to produce because it's what we feed our family too. In any case... Teff is what sustains farmers right now. It's also a crucial crop for food security.
Ethiopia's history has been marred by famines due to natural and human factors. The most severe famine in the mid-1980s impacted around 8 million people, causing more than a million deaths, according to the United Nations. Drought, erratic rainfall and conflicts led to crop failures and livestock losses. Limited infrastructure and healthcare worsened the situation. The future of Ethiopia is at risk. In 2020, long-standing political and ethnic tensions between the federal government and the Tigray region in the north erupted into a war, leading to widespread violence and hunger as aid missions were halted. People of Ethiopia, wherever they come from, are in need of humanitarian assistance today. Instability and economic upheaval hinder teff farming and distribution, while efforts to improve the situation face a web of intricate challenges. These include the modernization of teff farming. Just when you think of mechanization, teff is not the primary choice. So, although this is a major food security crop and also a major income crop for the for the Ethiopian farmers and also have a potential for export and sustaining the farming system is still you know, a key challenge. We need to address those limitations and bring the crop to, level, to the level to be, you know, to be mechanized. Meet Taye Tadese, the director of the Ethiopian Institute of Agricultural Research. His teams are dedicated to developing improved varieties of crops Several steps are required to boost yields of teff. The first is a small grain size. It's not easy just to plant using any kind of machinery. You need to at least increase the size to use planter to plant in a row. Harvesting is also a key challenge because of lodging. It's very challenging to use combined harvester like wheat. Taye means that as the grain matures, the stems bend towards the ground so that they can get mixed with mud in the rainy highlands. We are now thinking of different options to make teff, you know, erect and also more easily harvestable. Taye believes that teff, which can thrive in both arid lowlands and damp highlands, could become an ideal crop to strengthen food security. Genetically, there is a potential to get up to 3.2 tons per hectare. Currently, the productivity at national level is just about 1.8 ton per hectare. In fact, if it's the best crop to adapt underwater logging environment, we need to also have some water logging management practices. And so, yeah, it grows in a very diverse growing environment. Only 3 million hectares of land are used for teff farming in Ethiopia, roughly 22% of all the cultivated area. That accounts for almost all of the world's teff supply. Substantial domestic demand and government regulations aimed at protecting the local economy hinder Ethiopia's ability to export this grain. So countries like the United States, Spain or the Netherlands rush in to fill the gap in the market a situation criticized by activists as biopiracy. It's not a legal term. So biopiracy simply means the illegal exploitation and commercialization of biological resources or plant resources without compensation to the original owner of those plants. 
by original owners. Patrick Agejo, a lawyer specializing in biopiracy, is pointing to the local communities where this plant is cultivated. He explains that biopiracy is a term closely associated with patent rights and is frequently invoked in the context of developing advanced technological products such as pharmaceuticals. The scientists go to this community, exploit this plant, and then the community do not get benefits you know, retained from these resources. But it's not just limited to medicinal plants. In 2003, a Dutch company filed a controversial patent for teflower after initially conducting research with the Ethiopian state, which agreed to share genetic information for commercial use. The European Patent Office granted the company a monopoly on various TEF-based products in Europe. In 2020, a court in The Hague invalidated the patents following a lawsuit by the Ethiopian government. I'll use the term misappropriation here to say that these companies that are located out of Ethiopia, they have taken the seeds of TEF and then it's being multiplied in these territories out of Ethiopia. Patenting of grains or any biological organisms, including their byproducts, is a complex legal and ethical issue. Consider a genetically modified strain of a grain with specific traits introduced through genetic engineering. Such traits could be subject to patent protection. But traditional and naturally occurring characteristics of the same grain, as well as basic methods of growing or processing, are not. What? is the way out in the fight against biopiracy for the government of Global South, where most of the resources are located, to put in place a kind of a database for all the medicinal plants such that any activity arising from the use of any of the plant should be able to have community full participation in the activity there, there should be an agreement between the indigenous community and the company interested in the use of that plant. The international community recognised the issue of biopiracy with the Nagoya Protocol adopted in 2010 by the UN. It's an addition to the Convention on Biological Diversity, an international treaty for conserving biodiversity, and its main goal is to ensure fair and equitable distribution of benefits from the use of genetic resources, especially those from developing countries. Our mission, our vision is trying to make sure uh, that if becomes one of the ingredients or the tools to help Ethiopia uh, in, in its fight uh, with poverty and, um, and what can we do from TEF other than the traditionally known injera and how can we internationalize it, how can we make sure that Ethiopia becomes part of the health food trend that's going around uh, the world at the moment. Jonas works closely with the Institute of Agricultural Research to provide the farmers he collaborates with the best possible seed varieties. However, many of them end up losing the grain after harvest. We grew up knowing about kachikachi, which is this stone that we feel when we eat our injera. Stones don't grow with death. Basically what happens is when we harvest it, the cows walk on it, 
is if there is if they on the ground if there is fine sand, when the farmers collect the teff, the farm the fine sand goes into the packaging. That's because teff and sand are almost the same size. No consumer or no buyer will buy it from a farmer if they knew there is a fine sand in it. We all know this. So, so then, what can we do? What technology we need to provide to the farmers to actually prove that this can be avoided completely? Lovegrass buys teff from about a thousand farmers across the country, but for now the company collaborates with just three clusters, groups of smallholder farmers working together, offering them training, seeds, and machinery. So we are doing all these different engagements to make sure farmers can produce more. Farmers have the capacity to brand what they produce. Farmers have the capacity, hopefully in the future, even don't sell the raw grain. Why don't they mill it? Why don't they produce pastams themselves? And eventually thrive. It is not a gift. No, you cannot change their lifestyle by providing them a one-off gift. How can we then come up with a program? with a financing plan that they can become sustainable. So next time the neighboring cluster farmers can go to the finance industry and they can directly deal and be able to work on financing the future expansion. The Lovegrass farmers harvested 2,000 tons of teff last year. This year, Jonas expects them to collect three times as much. To gain a better insight into the operations of Lovegrass, we spoke with Getachu, one of the farmers working with Jonas. Getachu owns a small half-acre farm in Shebel, located in the eastern part of the country. At the time we did the reporting, travelling wasn't safe for journalists, so our reporter Suad spoke with him on the phone. We have a cluster farm and our own association. We just recently started working with Lovegrass. And just like in most other parts of the country, it's the sowing season. We've made improvements in our sowing process as well as the seed preparation process. Previously, we used to use an excess number of seeds on one hectare of land, which was impacting our productivity. Now we've made corrections and reduced the number of seeds we use. Depending on the season, Getachu used to grow up to 700 kilograms of teff on his piece of land. This year, thanks to Lovegrass, he hopes to produce more, increase sales and even break into the international market. I want us to have all the machines we need to fully mechanise our farming. I also want us to become a cluster that is progressive and moves forward with technology to improve production. Another thing I hope for is to have our own brand of TEF. It might be Shebel TEF or not, but I hope for us to have our own brand and I want us to directly provide our TEF to the international and local market. Whether the collaboration with Lovegrass was helpful or not will only become clear after the harvest. Back at the farm in the Gela province where we meet farmer Yasinu and his wife Keria, it's mealtime. Our reporters Suad and Keria are heading to one of the small huts made of cow dung and wood that surround the couple's family home. These traditional huts are equipped for cooking over a wood fire. 
What are you making for us today? The food I am making is teff chechepsa. Chechepsa, also known as kitafirfir, is a popular breakfast dish from the Oromia region, similar to injera, the traditional sour flatbread made from teff. While it can be prepared with white flour, an increasing number of Ethiopians now prefer to use teff. Make a dough from teff flour, salt and water. To make chechepsa, for two people, you'll need 250 grams of teff, a large glass of water and a teaspoon of salt. Mix them well to achieve a soft, thick consistency. Then we heat our clay pan over a wood fire. To cook the dough, Keria is using a traditional flat clay pan without oil. You can achieve a similar result by using a well-heated stainless steel or cast iron pan. The key is to place the dough on the pan and stretch it until it reaches the desired thickness. When we have our pitta ready, we shred it into small pieces and put it in a bowl. We add butter and mix it well with our hands. Some people add berber. That's an Ethiopian chilli powder. Keria uses one tablespoon of it for every 100 grams of teff. We can just mix it with butter and it's ready to eat. Teff chechepsa can be served plain or accompanied by a side of yoghurt. Some trendy Ethiopians top it off with scrambled eggs and honey. It's a flavorful and satisfying dish enjoyed by many Ethiopians as a hearty breakfast or snack. Like other Ethiopian dishes, tefchechepsa is often eaten with the hands, with the bread serving as both a vessel for the flavors and a utensil to scoop up the dish. Bon appétit! Just like Ethiopian culture, the country's cuisine is renowned for its diverse flavors. Jonas draws inspiration from traditional recipes to create healthy and affordable snacks, like this tefchechepsa in a pack. We call it Barbar Remix, and we don't have any chemicals added in it. Literally 100% uh, natural ingredients, local ingredients. The taste is local, but of course it's industrial. It's produced in an industrial scale. Modernizing the country's TEF production so that it can feed itself and compete with the West is Jonas's dream. And he believes that Ethiopians must start by rethinking their most cherished traditions. I mean, we love injera. I don't think I can live without it myself. But the fact of the matter is, it need not be the way we've done it for thousands of years. We can produce equally effective, beautiful injera, tasty injera, by using technology, uh, by mechanizing it. Um, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't work against that. We need to work. We need to be happy to adopt technology. Technology can be implemented everywhere, and I think we need to have a very, very open mind uh, about that. You've been listening to The Star Ingredient. This show exists in French, La Surprise du Chef. I'm your host, Tukumbo Salako, and this series is written and produced by my colleagues Naira Davlashian, Ashling Nikulan and Marta Rodriguez-Martinez in Lyon, France. Our assistant producer is Alice Carnivale, with original reporting by Suad Ahmed in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. 
Our consulting editor is Catalina Mai in Santiago de Chile, and our solutions journalism consultant is Michel Foyne in Paris, France. The theme music is by Andy Rabini. Sound mixing is by Hugo Puya. Our production coordinator is Louise Lehek, and our editor-in-chief is Patrick Heary. You can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. For more information on The Star Ingredient, please go to our website, euronews.com culture. The podcast The Star Ingredient was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the Solutions Journalism Accelerator. This fund is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.